It's the podcast that shapes and stirs up pharmacy. Welcome to PBN On The Rocks. We're a bunch of ding-dongs from Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really interesting point you brought up, though. Uh, Monique, you'll appreciate this. Wes was just saying one of the reasons that compound pharmacies were getting shut down Pain creams take away the pain. So if the patient's pain is gone, what are they going to do? They're going to go off the opioids. Oh, and if you're off, if the, if the inflammation is gone, right, I can sleep. So I don't need Ambien. Anxiety and depression goes down. I had a a guy get working on his um, PhD. He had a 14 point protocol. And, you know, and and as I say, I'm, I got a bachelor's of art degree from Alabama. I am not a scientist. (laughs) So I would take what the scientists would tell me, and spin it so the salespeople understand it. But basically, pain, uh, anxiety, depression run sidecar with pain, right? Yeah. Okay. So in my in my little mind, I'm like, how come they don't talk anxiety and depression when they're talking pain, especially for women, because the hormones get all whacked off, and it's really bad when the women have chronic pain, you know. But anyway, so. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us for our happy hour. I see um, Lauren, our vice president, is on the line. Lauren, are you there? I am here. Hi. Hello. Good to talk with you. Where's Lord Dr. Jeremy? Isn't he going to be joining our happy hour here, too? Oh, he is. He is. He's running a couple of minutes behind. Well, that's okay. That's that's the nice thing about happy hour. We come and we go as you please, (laughs) because I will actually have to leave a little bit early myself, so... So all is well. So, uh, so Wes, thanks for joining us. You are, where are you located? I'm in Huntsville, Alabama right now. That's where I grew up. Oh, good. Nice. And Huntsville is the rare place in Alabama because soccer and hockey are the big sports because of the Redstone Arsenal and the Space Flight Center that all these people that aren't from Alabama live here. So, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's a city I've never been to, but I've heard many good things about. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. That is so nice. Yeah. We don't, don't hear that so much anymore. I grew up in Albuquerque and I thought that was a, a nice city. I mean, as I'm now that I'm in my fifties and I'm looking back on, I'm like, that was a nice place to grow up. But when I lived there, of course, I was like, I hate this place. I have to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I left, uh, I left Huntsville in 1981 when I graduated high school and uh, went to Alabama and like never came back to like three years ago. And I'm like, Whoa, I, there's places I don't recognize anymore, but you know, Yep. Yeah, I think it's a universal truth, right? Like the place mm-hmm. you can't wait to get out of turns out to be the best place of all. Right. If, mm-hmm. uh, if the Wizard of Oz is any indication for any of us. <laughs> Lauren, are you in your pharmacy since we are talking about where we are? Currently, right now, I am headed to my niece's basketball game in my car. <laughs> Drinking and driving. No, no, no. no not, not, not tonight. I'll be I'll be enjoying uh some spiked caramel apple cider when I get home. Oh, that'll be nice. <laughs> Since you said that, I think we should talk about what we're drinking while we're waiting for Jeremy. So I actually have a version of that, Lauren. Um Deb and I and we were in DC last week and we went to this one restaurant in a really kind of cute part of Alexandria because we weren't actually physically staying in D.C., we were physically staying in something called Pentagon City, which so far as I can tell is not a city, but is located (laughs) on the other side of the highway from the Pentagon. So anyway, we're at this restaurant, and they had this drink that they, 
I'm just going to say it. I think the odds of them listening to this podcast are small. But before I say this, I'm just going to say, guys, I did not rip off your drink. I couldn't figure out. <laughs> but they had this drink called the Bourbon Thief. And it was bourbon, amaretto, lemon juice, an egg white, mm. and reduced apple cider. And it was so, so, so good. And I was like, oh, my God, this is an amaretto sour with reduced apple cider. I'm going to totally learn how to make this over the weekend. So I spent my weekend learning how to reduce apple cider. got real good at that. Um, never could work out the ratio of the stuff. So basically what I've got is an Amaretto Sour with some apple cider reduction. So not exactly the bourbon thief drink, but still very, very good. I highly recommend it. I will, um, if anyone's interested, I'll send you my recipe for what I'm drinking. <laughs> and if you want to improve on it, that's okay too. It won't hurt my feelings. I mean, after all, people listening to this podcast are pharmacists. And if you can't trust a pharmacist to make a good drink, who can you trust? Right. <laughs> well, and you can send me the recipe and I can put it on the website in the cocktail section. I will do that. I will definitely do that. So um, so while we were there, since we're talking about DC, this is the second time this month that Putt had the honor of being in a conference to talk about PBM reform. And it was really neat. It was exciting to be able to be there. DC is, I mean, you can love it or hate it, but the city itself is just really, really cool. Uh, the second conference I was at was put on by the Capitol Forum, and Matt Seiler from NCPA was also there. He was on the PBM panel. Luke Slindy and I were supposed to be on that panel, and then we were put on a different panel at the end. Our panel was about wholesalers, and that was um, interesting. I guess <laughs> it was an interesting experience being on that panel. It was a little all over the place. But I learned a new term I wanted to float past you guys, um, new language, CPOM. Have you heard of this? C-P-O-M, CPOM? Not like napalm. Not like napalm, no. Close to, in terms of its overall disastrous effect, but not hmm. in the same category, no. It stands for Corporate Practice of Medicine. And throughout this conference, there were doctors and academics and pharmacists and advocates and, and journalists who covered all this topic. And every one of these panels in some way dealt with uh, this problem, which has been there the whole time. And we always talk about PBM abuse. And I thought it was a really interesting term because that is exactly what's happening. So every time, you know, a pharmacist is given a prescription to dispense and they can't, or the patient is moved off that medication and onto something else, that is an example of corporate practice of medicine. And I thought, well, that is really interesting. I want to make sure I introduce that term so we can be like everybody, be like the other the other people fighting our battle and start using their terminology. So CPOM. Okay. I like it. We'll have a new hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing, that no one will be able to figure out without an explanation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, find out what CPOM is. The other thing that was really interesting, and I'll send you guys a link to this, is there was an emergency room doctor who has a an organization he created called takemedicineback.org. And he wrote a white paper, really good white paper, but it is exactly the same thing as what we are dealing with just in the emergency medicine sector. So all the stuff that we've been saying was gonna happen forever, watch for corporate takeover of doctor's offices, watch for outsourcing of services. It, it's gonna happen and it's happening. And so it's great to see everybody mobilizing on this what 
still needs to happen though is we, you know, somehow, some way got to tie it all together and make sure that while we're fighting this battle, we want to make sure that whoever's going to create the laws and regulate and enforce on these laws, that they get the whole picture, that it doesn't become either like entirely, you know, patient focused or entirely PBM focused, that there's balance in the whole thing. It was something that just struck me as I was sitting there listening to people talking about this, like it's everywhere. This is this whole corporate infiltration of medicine, whether it's pharmacy or something else is everywhere. And, and there's a lot more work to be done, I guess is probably the best way to say that. So I'm going to stop talking now because nobody likes that person at the cocktail party to talk and talk and talk. No, you're, you're fine. I was learning because it's <laughs> coming from the business side. If I am want to cut costs, doctors are the most expensive. Sure. Cut the doctors, go after the doctors. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And in, growing up, my dad lives in Moulton, Alabama, and it's smaller than it sounds, but it's um, they still have an independent pharmacy there, but they're closing independent pharmacies. They're closing hospitals and they're just making deserts where they're going to drive you, drive you to bigger cities to go to the doctor to save money. And it's all, again, if you follow me on Twitter, if I always had a quarter pound, I said, you know, we're just all line items on a revenue spreadsheet. We're not patients. Yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. is. And that's, it's horrible. It's just like, right. It's horrible. Just mm-hmm. no other word for it. Because one of the smartest guys I know is a uh, pharmacist from Russellville, Alabama. Right. When COVID came out, like within two weeks, he had basically Dr. Z's protocol, you know, the quercetin and zinc. And like he already figured that out. And a year later, they're talking about it. I'm like, I've had this for a year now. Got it from a ding dong from Alabama, as I was saying. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I probably called on over 150 doctors. We had sales reps in 40 states. And they were like, you know, I don't hear a very strong Southern accent. And it's like, I only bring out the Southern accent when I want to be underestimated. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So it's, you know, first thing out of the office is, you know, they're like, wow, thanks for coming to see me. So how did all these things spring up out of Alabama? And I'm starting in with the Alabama jokes and then take away all their it's hard to, you know, family reunion in Alabama, we're all related, you know, toothbrush was invented in Alabama, anywhere else they'd call it a teeth brush, you know, so, so you start rolling out those jokes, and they're like, and they're like, I can't make fun of you, you've already done it, like, right, so, you know. Aw, poor Alabama, such a beautiful right? state. Absolutely, and so when these people start making, I tell all my friends on Twitter, I'm like, roll with it, we don't want a bunch of more people moving in anyway, you know, if they're making fun of it. <laughs> No, you're right. We don't have indoor plumbing. Stay away. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like what we used to say about New Mexico. I'm in Arizona now. So I've, you know, ostensibly I've elevated, right? I like, (laughs) think you need a passport to to go through. And yeah, no. Yeah. Alabama is the center of the universe. You have to leave there to go to do anything. Yeah. What else been going down, going on in your state? I mean, we so rarely get the pleasure of speaking with directly with our with our friends and members in Alabama. Tell us about what all's been going on there. Well, I've been I've been out of the pharmacy business since 2016, but since then I have been dealing with the government about pharmacies since 2016. So it's been going on that long with them. But uh, again, they're going after the same thing that 
MPND or PD or whatever they call it, where they, my friend that works in uh, Hackleburg Pharmacy, Cardinal came in and said, you know, you're out of whack with your opioid prescriptions. You know, like we're well, right next door is the third largest Medicaid doctor in this rural county. So of course we are. It's just, that's where we're located. So they took away all the opioid sales from that pharmacy. So that pharmacy's literally on its last legs. They're going to close it down in Hackleburg, Alabama, and they'll have to drive 50 miles to the nearest CVS to, to find a pharmacy. So it's, it's, I see it happening. My mother has had to go back to work, uh, real estate. And there was a lady that um, chronic pain was on a generic low-grade opioid for years and years and years. Went to the doctor. He said, I can't write you anymore. Two weeks later, the neighbor took her to the emergency room, said, we can't write you anymore. She went home that night, made about 15 post-it notes, put the dog in the garage, and shot herself. That's so sad. Oh, God. Because the same thing. Incredibly awful. The anxiety of knowing I'm going to hurt the rest of my life and I can't take anything for it. And it's the, the gentleman across the street used to be on the Alabama State Board of Pharmacy. And he said it was it was no longer a moneymaker and they just took her off of it. And that is awful. Oh, completely oh. awful. And I've been telling those stories. But when I have to literally move the furniture out and take, you know, when she was on the couch and moved that couch and, you know, and there's blood everywhere, it like really hits home. Oh, I, I think that's totally important, Wes. I think. We, I'm in Illinois. I have three stores and we have a pharmacy desert or, you know, kind of an right. opiate dependency clinic in our, in one of our three stores. We're in a, in a 340B clinic and it is the only place outside of Chicago or St. Louis. So we're like right in the very middle of the state that you can get any sort of treatment without having to go out of state. And wow. almost every single person in either the inpatient or the outpatient opiate dependency clinic and substance abuse clinic is on anxiety medicine because of the exact reason that you mentioned, because they're afraid to feel that pain that they know is coming because they've had to stop taking their pain medicine. Right. It's, it's, and to me, again, it makes no sense why we don't treat it better than we do. DA don't care. Boards don't care. None of them care about people. They just care about looking all right to everybody else. Uh, it's not about Yeah. <laughs> Yay, you made it. For everybody. Yeah, so, sorry, I got confused on times. That's okay. For everybody who's listening, I'm, you don't see us, but Jeremy's been chiming in a little bit from someplace where it looks like he's holding up a lighter. I was like, maybe he's at the Taylor Swift concert. What's happening? <laughs> no, I'm in my, my mom and dad's hot tub right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. should, that's actually- We're visiting them with the baby. Are you okay, good. The is Are the you... baby in the hot tub? No. Okay. <laughs> I was going to get worried there for a second. Oh, uh, I don't know if I can ever hear hot tubs in quite the same way after Matthew Perry. Ex- I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, it's oh, sad. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Jeremy, just be careful in that hot tub. By the way, what are you drinking tonight in the hot tub? Right now, uh, one of the few things I could get here in Hayside, Virginia. Um, I got a Sam Adams <laughs> Boston Lager. <laughs> <laughs> and that's perfect. That's exactly what you should drink. While yeah, I, I plan on uh, 
going back to Blacksburg by now, but it wasn't in the card. So I figured, hey, I'll just do this from the hot tub. That's, that's <laughs> I like good. it. There's that's no, there's nothing more PBM on the rocks than coming to <laughs> us from a hot tub. So I'm really glad you're there. Glad you could join us. I'm a special boy. Yeah. Well, you yeah. Uh, just to catch you up on the conversation, I was telling them about how I was at a conference last week with Deb, and I learned this new term, CPOM, C P O M, which stands for Corporate Practice of Medicine. It's infiltrating everything. 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 Nothing you don't know. And they kept throwing the term around. I mean, it, it took me a little while to figure out, a little while. And by little while, I mean the entire conference, because I'd been sitting in these panels and listening all day long, kept saying, C-POM, 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 C-POM. And I'm like, what is this? I tried Googling it. It came up with nothing. Um, I pulled a white paper that one of the doctors had written. And that was where I finally figured out what CPOM was. But that was the end of the conference. I mean, that's like how familiar everybody was at this thing. They were all, they were throwing around acronyms. I mean, I thought we were bad about throwing around acronyms. These guys can throw acronyms with the best of them. I like CPOM. Shannon compared it to Napalm, which I thought was actually pretty apropos. Yo, I just set myself up for a fucking horror scene. What the fuck? <laughs> Because you're drinking in a hot tub. This is like some shit that a dude would be like, y'all be watching. It's on film and it's just like, oh, there's Jamie just drinking this beer in the hot tub. And someone comes up behind me and just like gouges me with a knife right in my eyeball. <laughs> It'd be like the PBM slasher, right? They've heard about you and they've sent Freddy Krueger to get you. <laughs> it's Karen Lynch. She's prowling the night again. This time she's not trying to eat children. She's coming after yours truly, Lord Dr. J. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, on that topic. So um, has anybody watched Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix yet? Seen anything about Ooh, that? Me. Okay. So I'm only, I'm just in, just starting it right. But I am loving how they set up the House of Usher like the Sackler family. And since yes. Jeremy mentioned Karen Lynch coming after him in the night, I'm just going to say, watch the first episode. You'll see Karen Lynch make a special guest appearance at the end. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying Karen Lynch was brilliant? Just watch the first episode and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I gotta watch it. It's pretty, it's pretty great because they, uh, so, so of course, naturally follow the house of Usher is I've not read that. Um, I think everybody in high school, correct me, Wes, if, if I'm wrong about this, but I think in high school, everybody has to read at least one Edgar Allan Poe correct. short story, right? Yeah. So in ninth grade. I read them when I'm in my feels. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never put on read my eyeliner and I just go to my basement. Gonna happen. <laughs> put on some My Chemical Romance. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in the hot tub. Start to feel relaxed. <laughs> Lynch to sneak yeah. up on you. This is this is like a live version of Trivial Pursuit listening to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a special boy. I told you this. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know your pop culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You know what I did yesterday? I watched The Big Short for the second time. That's good. And That's a good movie. It is such a good movie. But I was watching it from the point of view of like what's happening in healthcare now. Yep. Bingo. It, it, you want to talk about like gross negligence and we don't learn from the past. There, that movie, I mean, every minute of that movie is so, so, so good. And at the end, they mentioned this thing which I'd completely forgotten about, about how within a couple of years of the crash, banks started offering not 
CDOs, but they started offering bespoke tranche opportunities, BTOs. And I was like, I wonder if that's still a thing. I was looking it up yesterday. It's very much still a thing. So, you know, heads up, that's happening. But where I was going with this was, you know, all over that movie, you have these signs. Here were these guys that were betting against the fall. But what they were really doing was they were also sending warning flags to people who should have known. And people were so arrogant, and the government and the banks, so, so arrogant. So like, that'll never happen. We don't need to look into this. And we're in exactly the same situation. I mean, look at the coverage of what's been happening with PBMs, TRICARE, New York Times with their you know, the the like gross, massive bilking of Medicare Advantage plans and organizations like ours and this place, this thing we were at last week, you know, we're sending up the flags and we're like, hey, this is happening. This is happening. It's we're just kind of being met with the same thing. Like that'll never happen. No, Medic Medicare is just expensive. Healthcare is expensive. Oh, God, I love being right. And it's awesome. But the problem with being right and like shoving it in people's faces is they're going to be coming to like repossess my vehicles and foreclose on my home cpa has to be coming to take my baby the entire time i'm going to be like i told you fucks i told you fucks at cvs everyone else was screwing everybody and then i'm in the poorhouse. they're not learning from the past they're recreating the big short in healthcare because there's so much money to be made there oh That's yeah definitely mm-hmm. and they figured out how to get in and pretty much just be money changers just right in the middle and they just sucked it all up and we're all going to take what we're given or we're going to get out. And they're trying to push us out. Yeah. And then 2016 PCCA um, sent a bunch of pharmacy owners to Washington, D.C. to talk to our representatives about the FDA coming in and shutting down pharmacies when they've got no right or it's not their area. You know, State Board of Pharmacy can do that. Well, since I was going there, I had my team make up a a thing about opioids and pain cream and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, basically told them in 2016, here's what's happening. Here's how you're getting ripped off. Here's how TRICARE is getting ripped off for hundreds of millions of dollars. Here's why vets are committing suicide. Here's why look at the different prices and still beating that drum. And like I say, I hate to be right, but uh, it doesn't do me any good when, when all hell's breaking loose, but uh, you're exactly right. Oh, speaking of compounding getting destroyed, they're now saying that we can't even add flavoring to medication or it's officially a compound now. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, we can't even add flavor to medication anymore or it's considered compounding here in Virginia. Like, they already killed a lot of just, like, non-sterile compounding by, like, requiring uh, hormone creams and everything else to be done under a hood. And, I mean, they just... They want compounding to die because they don't have control over it. You're exactly right. It's it started with compound pharmacy and what they learned how to take them out of business. They're taking all the independent pharmacies out of business about how they learned how to take uh, compound pharmacies out. Because oh again, yeah, I'm like weaponizing the DEA. Right. Because I'm not a pharmacist, but with a PBM, they control everything, and you can't fight them. You'll lose your license, and if you go to arbitration. You could win, but end up losing anyway. Exactly. Wes, you have successfully unbuttoned that button on your blouse. Consider us teased. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I have a question, though, because I, I, I compounding is fascinating and something I don't know that much about. 
Right. The PBMs that are requiring, are they the ones forcing this issue about no flavor and what constitutes safe compounding? Or is this the FDA? Who's who's the bad guy here? Uh, everyone's the bad guy. At this point, like the FDA is coming in. They're saying this or that. The state boards are right on board with it. And they're getting pushed, from what I understand, because they don't want medications to actually be made at the pharmacy and they're calling it a safety issue and they're coming up with a ton of excuses but what they're really doing is they are getting rid of medications we can make money on and they can't make money on they don't want like they don't want us to be able to make a cream that they can't like buy and get a rebate off of or they got to sell it to us all jacked up we don't don't get low reimbursement on they want everything with a good margin out of our pharmacies that's why they made the specialty uh pharmacies and then took all the high paying meds and called them specialty meds that's why they they did this to compounding and it's why they've weaponized the dea to come against us because they are going to take all our uh, our maintenance meds make us fill all the controls and then tell the dea oh you need to go get these pharmacies that are doing a ton of controls we're getting hit from every single end but yeah you're right it's a pharmacist is laser beam what hurts what are you taking let me help you and big uh, the PBMs don't want that. They want the shotgun approach. And really, they're hoping, as I say, they we're going to put you on the most expensive medicine and hope it works. And if it doesn't, we'll go to the next expensive. Not what works the best, but what makes them the most money. And if you put somebody on a cream, they're not on a pill that they make the most money on. It's insane. It's so insane. Like the oh. more you know about this business, the worse it gets at every level, the, the prescription hoarding, the, the drug supply hoarding, the, you know, attempt to, is what you're describing is the the attempt to clamp down on compounding, which is something pharmacists do that's really special for patients, right? Because every one of us is a unique chemistry lab walking around on legs. We don't all, you know. That's again, when I, I I would talk to pharmacists and I'd be like, so blown away. I was like, you know, like a, a doctor, I was like, okay, fine. I've talked to probably over a hundred doctors. And I'm like, okay, big deal. A veterinarian. Okay. That's impressive. Right. And a pharmacist, that's impressive. You got to know everything a doctor knows and more because you're prescribing the medication. It actually makes me consider like if this had anything to do with the origins of the USP regulations. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I was just thinking that too. And of course our expert on that would be Mark Bozen who we had on this podcast not too long ago. We, you know what? We could bring Mark back. Wes, you and Mark together would be quite a team explaining what's been going on in this particular area just because there's a lot of mischief. Let me just put it that way. Okay. And again, like I said, it's what they're doing now, they learned when they were going after the compounds. Because I even learned how, uh, you know, when pill mills first started, you know, it's compoundings kind of fit that void of they were closing down pill mills and the compounders were offering doctors an alternative. See if your patient likes this and you won't be considered a pill pusher if you have this alternative. So that whole compounding cream was a void filled by shutting true. They were pill mills in Florida. Absolutely. But it wasn't nationwide because you would see cars from Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia, all in Florida. If this was a nationwide epidemic, why are they driving a thousand miles to come see this doctor? So yes, there was pain pill, uh, pill mills, and yes, that's bad, but not every doctor's a pill pusher. And that's what they're going for. They want to shut down every doctor that's a little bit out of whack to, because doctors are expensive. You know, if you're not corporate owned, they want to get rid of you. 
weird. Like it's like the pandemic. Like they couldn't get enough shots out. They asked us to come in. We come in and fill that void, and then right behind us here they come with all these fees and cut our reimbursements. So we get our void filled. It's just an endless cycle. Right. When I was in the business, I had um, in my QuickBooks, I had uh, DIR fees. I had mafia dues. Is what I had it labeled. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me your accountant loved that. <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> hey, this or a horse head will show up somewhere you'd least expect. <laughs> right. I, I had two guys with cheap suits told me to either get off Facebook or quit posting about PBMs on Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's bad. And, you kind of have to laugh because it's so tragic. Yeah. Right. So I would call on doctors a lot. And I'm from Alabama, and I don't drink coffee, tea, or beer. I will wave at you on a two-lane road. So when you're calling on doctors and they're drinking beer and wine all day, uh, and you're going out. So I've developed, I'm a little style for tequila and bourbon, right? So I like both of those. So I was in Seattle, and I told the, you know, the bartender, I always ask him, what's your drink? And guys like, here, try some of this. Is, this is 2011. Try this Don Julio and Yeho, chilled with an orange slice and some cinnamon. So that was my go-to, right? Sounded yes. really cool, Good right? stuff. That's a thing. In. It's so weird. It's a thing. It's a thing out here too. I'd never right. heard of it until a few years ago. Anyway, sorry, keep going. I'm super right. excited. Now it's, it's what now? Back to that, I either drank the tequila and I did have the uh, Knob Creek Old Fashioned nice. in a um, already made up in a bottle. That's sexy. Oh, I didn't I know Knob had a pre-made. We're yeah, kind of so, look, so everybody we're looking at the bottle that he held up, but I've I've not seen that before. But I will it, say it says on the rocks. And so it's not Creek old fashioned. They have a margarita and a mid celery sour or something, espresso martini. They got a few, so this is really easy for me because I tell the bartender she's like I'm the I'm high maintenance and a bad tipper, right? So I want something hard to make, and I'm you know so anyway. So it's a old fashioned. And uh, so the tequila or the old fashioned, the tequila old fashioned is really good. So that's what I'm drinking tonight is the. Oh, uh, you're drinking fashion. on the rocks on PBM on the rocks. Absolutely. How awesome yeah. is that? So, so what kind of service do you get when you tell them you're high maintenance and a bad tipper? They're like, we like you. Yeah, they laugh. <laughs> they, do they, laugh right, and said, they laugh and go, everybody is. I'm like, okay. I said, but I'm just, everybody's high maintenance. And, and I'm just right, saying, that's so, just rolled up the bar. Heard your bitch ass is talking shit. <laughs> I, used to, I used to answer the phone. I'd be, go like, OPC, poor service, high prices. And everybody get upset. I'm like, I'm setting the bar really low, and now we can surpass it, right? You got to set those expectations <laughs> really, really low. Right? <laughs> you know, weirdly enough, I feel like people would like CVS and Walgreens better if they just answered the phone like that, right? You know, instead of like this, uh, whatever it is that they're they, they've been doing, just like just let's just tell the truth, people. You know, this is our bar, <laughs> our service, right? CVS.com, yeah. So I want to go back for a second. So the drink that he was just talking about that I was like, oh my God, that's a thing. He drinks Don Julio and it is that. It's Don Julio and Yeho. It's a higher end tequila, but you could do this with any higher end tequila. You chill it. And normally when people are doing quote unquote tequila shots, this isn't really a shot, but what you're normally doing is you're doing a salt and lime and tequila combination. It was very surprising for me being in that part of the country where that's pretty much the same thing as water around here when I was served... <laughs> this tequila with cinnamon so that it's cinnamon on the rim not even cinnamon sugar just cinnamon and an orange and you drink it the same way and it it 
it's so counterintuitive to how we normally think about tequila. It's so, so good. So that's why I was like, oh my God, because we're, you, everyone listening needs to know that I'm in Arizona, West in Alabama. You couldn't be further apart. I think what we have in common right now is maybe being <laughs> in the southern half of the United States, and that's about it. So you wouldn't normally expect to get a tequila conversation going like that. But <laughs> I love so much that not only have you had that, but you are sharing that drink <laughs> across the country. That's right. Amazing. Again, it's, it sounds so cool when you walk up to the bar and you sound like James Bond. Everybody looks at you like, what? And then you get it and everybody's like, oh, I'll have that too. You know, yeah. Right, like right. It's very classy. Very, exactly. very classy. It just sounds so cool when you order it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I take tequila shots, I just, they'll hand me the salt and the lime or whatever, and I'll just leave them there, take the shot, and just look everyone in the eyes. They do all their <laughs> stupid little frills. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy doesn't drink tequila for the salt and the lime and the pretty drinks. If you're drink drinking and it's pleasurable, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> wow! None of my friends in Alabama could drink tequila because I'm probably the only guy that graduated from Huntsville High School in Alabama that didn't go down to Panama City, Florida, and you know get drunk on really cheap tequila. All my other friends <laughs> did. So they can't even look at tequila, and I'm like, they're like, "How can you drink that?" I'm like, "Because I didn't do this in high school." You know, when you when we graduated, I wasn't throwing up on the tequila on the beach. I was good, you know. <laughs> well, and there's also a very very large difference between high-end tequila like mm-hmm. a Don Julio Anejo and Jose know, Carbo. Yeah. Jose yeah. Jose is no one's friend. <laughs> no, no. Even though there's a song about it, it's not. Hey, you guys, I have to go after having just had my amazing bourbon amaretto lemon juice, no egg white, apple cider <laughs> reduction drink. It's time for my kettlebell class. Way to break down that recipe in your statement. Good job. <laughs> so, Wes, so you're drinking, you're on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Jeremy's oh, got his beer in the hot tub. Sam <laughs> Lauren, I know you're going for your cider, caramel apple cider, you said? That's right. Caramel did you apple make it, or Did you make cider. it? No, it's, or a, is it- it's a hard cider. It's a... The same company that does Ace, Pear, Hard Cider. They make seasonal ones, and there's a caramel apple one that is delicious. Is it, like, super sweet with the caramel? And they also have a pumpkin one, but the caramel apple one's better. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I will have to look for that. Well, Jeremy, I was actually kind of sad when Monique was initially talking about the corporate practice of medicine that you weren't on yet, because I could just hear you having all sorts of thoughts I mean, it's just straight up. That's all it is now. We have no control over what everyone's getting. And they want medications to be expensive so that you have to use them and they can control what you're using. It is a full on like they're trying to get as many people in their silos as they can, because when the government eventually is just like, you know what, we're going to pass this universal health care. We're going to have it. They're going to be like, all right, United Health, you're going to facilitate this. And it's going to be ruined. (laughs) <laughs> like that's they're all positioned to gobble up as much as they can so that when they all get gobbled up into one company, that company's gonna run everything and our healthcare is gonna be even worse than it is now because nothing in this country is gonna get better as far as healthcare unless the insurance companies and the conglomerates and PBMs, all of them are gutted completely and destroyed. It's not gonna get any better until those companies do not exist. When you say PBMs, people look at you like glazed over, like, I don't understand. I'm like, when you walk into your pharmacy, you're not doing business with your insurance company. You're doing business with the middleman, right? So 
When you exactly. have to change medications, is the insurance isn't telling you to change medication. The doctor's not telling you to change medication, most importantly. It's your middleman because they're making more money off this new medication you're on. Makes and to no further sense. complicate things, that middleman also owns your insurance company. <laughs> exactly. And I, as I said a lot on Twitter, why people aren't marching on Washington to bitch about our health care prices is beyond me. If you want to go march on Washington, talk about our health care and how much it's expensive exactly. it is. Exactly. But, but unfortunately, to, they've been brainwashed to think that this is the norm. Right. Well, and when they get those these, bills and they're just like, we saved you this much. And they're like, oh, look what I would have had to pay without insurance. Those numbers ain't fucking real, you slack jaw. Fucking listen to us. <laughs> when I, again, 2016, I went to, I had, I had appointments with Rubio and Nelson when I lived in Florida. Of course, they weren't there. They were out fundraising. So I talked to the staffers. So when you start talking to the staffers, their eyes would glaze over. I'm like, America has the most expensive prescription medication cost. We're also the only country in the world with middlemen. And they would look at me like, I don't, I can't connect those dots. I'm like, insulin is $300 in America. It's $25 everywhere else in the world because nobody else in the world has middlemen. You don't understand? They're like, I don't, I don't see. And I'm like, of course you do. And finally, but they say that they're bringing prices down by negotiating them. We must take their <laughs> word for this. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I, here's how I explain that. We're going to take this insulin, which is old as dirt, should be $15. And we're going to tell the insurance company, you should sell this for $500. So the insurance says, we're going to sell it for $500. Then we're going to come back and say, no, we should only charge, charge $450 for it. So we saved you 50 bucks. No, you charged me $430 more than it should be. But Brando has electrolytes. That's what it reminds <laughs> me of every time. Idiocracy. He's right. going and he's just like, you can't give like the Gatorade thing that they had. You can't give Gatorade to your plants. It was called Brondo. And they wouldn't <laughs> listen to him. Like, but it has electrolytes. And he, right. he had exactly. to convince them by saying that the plants told him that they preferred water. That's what it reminds me of every time when you're trying to explain this stuff to people. Because they're like, right, but they negotiate it, these prices down. Because right? it's <laughs> it's so crazy. There's nothing else like it. It makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, there's no you can't you can't equate it to McDonald's saying McDonald's own the cows because still McDonald's would go charge tell Burger King they can't you know we're going to take ten percent of Burger King's profits because you know because a red car went through the driveway. That's what PBMs are like. It's like it's it's so far out there that you can't explain it to anybody because there's nothing else like it. Oh, there's and, not. I mean, people should be like marching in the streets, like you said, marching on Washington. If they understood half of what was going on with healthcare, they'd be doing it. They just, right. it's too complicated. They don't want to be bothered with doing that. And I can't blame them. Like, it's hard to understand for people outside of it. Like, and, and how are they supposed to get geared up about something? They and they know that they want it as complex as possible so people can get fooled. And it's really easy to like sell these Medicare Advantage plans to old people who get confused even easier than general public. <laughs> right. I was talking to the some of the girls that are doing that um, documentary um, about the pharmacies. Shots with See, that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one. I said it's really simple and extremely complex. She goes, yeah, you're exactly right. They make it complex, but it's just really simple. You know, get the PBMs, regulate them or get them back because – I don't understand if you own a pharmacy, you can't pay a doctor to send prescriptions to your pharmacy. But if I'm CVS and have a minute clinic, I pay the nurse practitioner. You don't see a doctor. I pay the nurse practitioner 
And if I have CVS insurance, I got the insurance, the doctor, and the pharmacy that nurse practitioner is going to write a prescription for the insurance and the PBM make the most money. How is that legal? It's a closed loop. How in the world is that legal? Has anyone tried to go into a CVS Minute Clinic and ask them to send their medication to a different pharmacy? Yes, I did. I had a pharmacy and uh, went to the uh, Minute Clinic to had a sinus infection. And they looked at me like, what? And I said, I'm going to go to my own pharmacy and get it filled, you know. <laughs> <laughs> did and they do response it? response was? Yeah, because I had the prescription in my hand. Like, what could they say? Ah, oh, I gotcha. With yeah. the e-stripping and everything going on right now, like, I just imagine, because it's becoming increasingly, like, happening more and more with doctor's offices where they just send it to the wrong place all the time. Like, it happens <laughs> constantly now. They they don't even bother anymore. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if CVS accidentally sent it to their own pharmacy. Oh, yeah, they uh, they do that all the time. Lauren, are you having that happening, too? That CVS is sending things to the wrong pharmacy? Absolutely. In that federally qualified health center clinic that we own, they we are literally inside the clinic and they are calling. We we have to contact CVS and Walmart constantly to get things that were accidentally sent to the wrong pharmacy. And the patients come to us because we're right in the waiting room and they yell at us because it was sent over to the wrong pharmacy. Because at one point they did go to a CVS and then it took them a week to get their medication. They're mad. And that's why they transferred to us. Yeah, so, yeah, it auto-populates in the e-script thing, and they just send it right away. Well, now that we are coming to the end of our drinks, any final thoughts on today's discussion? Wes, please. Thank you for having me. I've had a great time. Great to meet you guys. I look forward to coming back, and I will fill in a lot of holes. But I think as I tell my story, I that's think what it she will... said. That's exactly what she said. <laughs> um, and. As I tell my story all the way through and how it started in Russellville, Alabama, and what I know after spending hundreds of uh, 150 hours with the OIG and the U.S. Attorney's Office, I think it will fill in a lot of holes about your businesses. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Lauren? Is- <laughs> <laughs> my final thoughts are I'm just... So excited to see all of the people on social media that are supportive of the pharmacists, whether they decided to show up or not for Farmageddon. And I think next month we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. But I hope that whatever protests are happening outside any of the headquarters of any of these PBMs, hopefully get some of the traction and hopefully we're able to get somewhere without everyone having to... uh, Go and do something well, destructive like Jeremy usually thinks to do. I hope no one has any tiki torches or Molotov cocktails at these headquarters. Oh that God. would be terrible. And if I were to encourage that, I would get kicked off of Twitter again. I was going to say, you won't let me say the word fire on this podcast because you're afraid you'll get kicked off Twitter. Why are you talking about a Molotov cocktail? I said I hope no one has them. <laughs> I, I finally... I was literally walked the halls of Congress looking for open doors to leave my little leave behind about everything. And I finally had a staffer tell me the groundswell of people has to be larger than the lobby money. So you're exactly right. We need the people calling, emailing, tweeting about healthcare prices and the PBMs because it has to be bigger than the lobby money. I mean, they flat out told me. Dead on. Yeah, I can see that. 
And when the staffer tells me that, it's like, okay, I got you. Well, Lord Dr. J, any final <laughs> thoughts for you? Yeah. Fuck C Palm. Burn it all down. <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> And on that note, thank you everyone for joining us for this month's PBM on the Rocks. Cheers to you and have a wonderful November. <laughs> to learn more about Pharmacist United for Truth and Transparency and how you can help fight PBM abuse of our healthcare system, visit our website at truthrx.org.